Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 18, 13 through 27, called Balancing the Scales. All right, we're in Exodus 18. It's called Balancing the Scales. Would you stand with me for the reading of the Word of God if you're physically able to stand? We're going to finish the chapter today, and we're picking it up, Exodus 18 and verse 13. And if you're new to us, we're going verse by verse through books of the Bible. We happen to be in Exodus, and we begin at verse 13. And I want to welcome all of you who have joined us via live stream. We love you, and uh, we're glad you're with us. Now, it came about, Exodus 18, 13, the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. Now, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me. And I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me, 19, and I will give you counsel and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders over thousands of thousands of hundreds of fifties and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. And so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all the people also will go to their place in peace. And so Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel, made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. They judged the people at all times. The difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. And then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell, and he went his way into his own land. May the Lord write his word upon our hearts. You may be seated. I'm just going to raise up my hands and pray over you. Father, thank you for the image in Exodus 17 of Moses lifting up his hands and praying. And when his hands were up, the people were winning. When they dropped, they were losing. We know the posture is secondary, but the matter is that we need your help, Lord. We need your strength. And I believe that Exodus 17 is a foreshadowing of this chapter where Moses had Aaron and her to help him up on the mountain, but now he needs more help. He's got a big congregation to take care of, and there has to be better organization, and he can't do it alone. And we can't do it alone, Lord. We need you, and we know you're always with us, and you will never leave us, nor will you ever forsake us. And I pray over those who feel lonely today, 
There's a lot of lonely people in our world, a lot of people feeling like they're doing it alone even when they're around a bunch of people. Would you minister to the need of the lonely today? Would you minister to our need as a body to be better organized, to have each one using their gifts to do their share so that not one person tries to bear the burden alone? You are our great burden bearer. You said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Thank you, Lord. Would you give us solutions today? Would you give us your wisdom today? Would you give us application and insight for your glory? In Christ Jesus' holy name I pray and all God's people said, amen. When the boys were younger, they're now all grown up. Um, They were playing baseball and doing a lot of different things. And uh, their friends would find out that their dad was a pastor. And oftentimes they didn't really differentiate between a priest and a pastor. The friends didn't, they didn't know a lot. So they would say something like this. Isn't your dad like a priest or something? And my sons would say, well, he's a pastor. And they would say, if he's a priest, how are you here? And some of you get that because you know that for the most part, Roman Catholic priests don't marry and they practice celibacy. And so their friends were very uh, inquisitive, interested about how they arrived on the planet. And then they would say a follow-up question, and since you're here, what kind of pastor is your father? In other words, are you part of a cult or something, <laughs> right? And they didn't really understand what a Christian pastor is or does. Uh, I have a commentary on my desk, and it's from Philip Riken, and he's written a wonderful commentary on the book of Exodus. And he tells a story. He said that he was coaching soccer, and he's also a pastor of a congregation. And he said that a woman that was one of the team moms uh, had heard that he was a minister. And she said, so what kind of minister are you? And he told her a little bit about the church and the location and stuff. And she said, is that a full-time job? And Riken said he couldn't help but bust out laughing. He said, is it a full-time job? <laughs> it's more than a full-time job. And from my understanding of Riken's situation, they have a church well over a 1,000 people. And he started to say this in the commentary. He said, I want you to imagine what Moses was facing. Because in all likelihood, over a million people exited Egypt. And he was, that was his congregation. They were a new nation. For those of you you who are interested in timing, from the time they leave Egypt till they get to Sinai, it's three months. So they're learning a lot of lessons. We've been talking about spiritual lessons in the book of Exodus because it is a book about salvation. And we've talked about everything from salvation to spiritual warfare to prayer. Last week, we talked about evangelism. And now we're going to talk about the life of the body of Christ because we're going to have a classic text about implementation of organization in the body. How do we do this? How do we manage the people of God? I will tell you that, you know, being a pastor of a congregation this size is a big job and it it really can't be done alone. And so we have, I think, five ordained pastors here and a lot of great up and coming leaders, a wonderful group of elders and deacons here and many other leaders that lead various ministries. And it's a great team effort. And that's really what we need. And I pulled my title actually from Ephesians 4, and you don't need to go there, but let me just tell you what Ephesians 4 says. The Apostle Paul spent three chapters talking about salvation by grace through faith in Christ and who we are, that we're saved by grace and we stand in that grace. And then he prayed this incredible prayer at the end of Ephesians that God would do abundantly beyond what we could ask or imagine. 
And after praying that prayer, he said, now, therefore, I entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And he's addressing the church at Ephesus. The word worthy in Greek is a, is a Greek word called axios. And we're, we're, it's where we get the idea of an axiom. And it's ba- basically taking an equation and making both sides equal. So here's the image. Paul's essentially saying, now that you know who you are, I want you to balance who you are with how you live. To put it in contemporary language, I want your walk to match your talk or your walk to match your identity in Christ. And then he goes on in Ephesians 4. Many of you are familiar with the chapter. He talks about unity, that we're one body. He talks about spiritual gifts that Christ has given, pastors, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, for the equipping of the body, for the building up of the body of Christ, that we would all do works of service, that we'd all be engaged. This morning at first service, we had a spiritual gifts class. How many of you were in the class? Raise up your hand. Understand we had about 12 people in there. And, th- and that was a class about you learn where the spiritual gifts are, what your gift is. But it does you no good if you only have head knowledge. You must engage your gift. And Paul goes on to talk about in Ephesians 4 that the body needs to be connected so we can build one another up in love. Every member doing its share to build up the body. We do not have a Moses today. We have New Testament models of church leadership, pastors and elders and the like. We don't have a prophet. We don't have Moses. But we have the greater Moses, Jesus. Amen? He is the head of the church. And the good news is that he never gets weary. He never gets tired. No angel has to, you know, pat him on the shoulder and say, Jesus, you look tired. I I don't know if you can do this anymore. No. Jesus is always there for us. He says, cast your cares to me because I care for you. He says we can bring everything to a throne of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. Hebrews 7.25 says, Jesus ever lives to intercede for his people. He invites you to come and you can rely upon him. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get sick of hearing our prayer requests. He wants to give grace, grace, and more grace. Amen. That's the greater Moses. That's our great high priest. But here's the truth of the matter. He uses human beings to accomplish his will. So while Jesus is in heaven interceding for us, he's given gifts to the church pastors, elders, deacons, evangelists, etc. We can walk it out from there. Sunday school teachers, you know, all the people who serve, missionaries. And he does this to bless the church and to expand its ministry. And he doesn't want you to do it alone. Some years ago, I was doing a message on temptation. I was talking to a friend of mine who, you know, is a, is a good biblical scholar and he studies the Hebrew and he said, what are you preaching on? I said, I'm preaching on temptation. And he said, what are your main points? And I said, well, I'm going to talk about staying in the word of God, putting on the armor of God, praying, uh, and accountability and that kind of thing. And he said, let me ask you a question. What do you think the role of fellowship is in fighting temptation? And I said, you know what? I, his name is Chris. I said, Chris, I, I didn't really think about that. But I think it's important that we have other people that we could go to when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling isolated, that we could have the body of Christ to help us. Not just pastors and teachers, but even other brothers or sisters in Christ. Amen? You find great strength in that. And so, anyway, uh, this scene is about 
that kind of thing. And it's going to carry over into New Testament models of church leadership. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series is called In His Image, A Case for Life in a Post-Roe v. Wade World with guest speaker Scott Klusendorf from the Life Training Institute. You know, sometimes we as pastors think, oh boy, I don't want to get distracted. I want to stay tethered to the Great Commission. And I agree, we should be about the Great Commission. But the question is, what does the Great Commission teach? The Great Commission teaches that we are to disciple believers. What does that mean? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 28, we're to teach them to obey all that Christ commands. What is one of those commands in Scripture? We're not to shed innocent blood. Exodus 23, 7 teaches that. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 teaches that. Matthew 5, 21 references that. So when we speak about abortion, which is the shedding of innocent blood, we're not distracting people from the Great Commission. We're helping them align with it. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com. Or you can subscribe and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. That's Walk in Truth's A Step Closer on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And he said, what are you preaching on? I said, I'm preaching on temptation. And he said, what are your main points? And I said, well, I'm going to talk about staying in the word of God, putting on the armor of God, praying, uh, and accountability and that kind of thing. And he said, let me ask you a question. What do you think the role of fellowship is in fighting temptation? And I said, you know what? I, his name is Chris. I said, Chris, I, I didn't really think about that, but I think it's important that we have other people that we could go to when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling isolated, that we could have the body of Christ to help us. Not just pastors and teachers, but even other brothers or sisters in Christ. Amen? You find great strength in that. And so anyway, uh, this scene is about that kind of thing. And it's going to carry over into New Testament models of church leadership. Pick it up in verse 13 with me, Exodus 18. Now, it came about the next day. You say, what's the next day? Well, the day before Moses had shared with Jethro, his father-in-law, all that God had done, Jethro makes a pronouncement of faith. He says, 11, now I know that the Lord, that's Yahweh, is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering sacrifices for God. So this is an act of worship. Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before God, probably before the glory cloud of God. A beautiful time of salvation and then worship and then fellowship. That's how we ended last week. And the next day is the day after that, verse 13. So Jethro's a brand new believer. He's entered into the covenant community of Israel And he spends a day at work with Moses. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. The people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, essentially, 
what in the world are you doing? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> have you ever had a friend say this to you? What are you doing? <laughs> right? And the Hebrew has the idea of discontentment or fault. Like this, this is not working. This is not good what you are doing. I will tell you that what Jethro is about to say has become models for New Testament leadership, but it's also been criticized by some scholars. Somebody as uh, well-known as Philo, a Jewish uh, scholar, took great umbrage, or he was against what Jethro said, and said it was worldly wisdom that Moses should not have listened to his father-in-law, that Jethro didn't know what he was talking about. And somebody as prominent in our own lifetime, who's now with the Lord, as J. Vernon McGee, agrees with Philo. And I was reading McGee's commentary, and I was a little bit surprised, but he said that Jethro's wisdom was worldly wisdom. Get this. And McGee says that he hears the hiss of the serpent in the garden in the advice of Jethro to Moses. And I was like, whoa. I I shared it with a couple of people in the office. I was a little taken aback. And I will say this, that even if there's some different agreement, uh, disagreement with Philo, and I guess Josephus had some issues with Jethro and, you know, J. Vernon McGee and perhaps others, I will say that Jethro's advice and counsel, I believe, is solid. And I'm going to argue that it was from the Lord. But I will say this, and this is a practical point of application. Just because someone's a believer, in this case, he's one day in the Lord, right? But we do know that Jethro was a mature man, father-in-law, priest of Midian. He wasn't, you know, just wet behind the ears. So uh, here's here's my point. We've got to be careful when people offer counsel to us. And in what sense should we be careful? I think we should be open to what people have to say. I think we should be teachable. But I think we also need to test everything against the word of God. And it would be nice in life if every situation we faced had a Bible verse. Amen? <laughs> because if we had the Bible verse, we wouldn't have to worry about other people's opinions or practical wisdom or anything like that. But life and the Christian life, as you well know, is not like that. There are many things where the Bible doesn't have necessarily a crystal clear verse on it. There may be a principle, but there may not be a crystal clear verse. So what do you do in those cases? You open yourself up to godly wisdom. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. If one person tells you something, maybe go to two or three other mature Christians and say, hey, I've been mulling this over. What do you think? Take it to God in prayer. Look for biblical principles, obviously, that affirm that truth or confirm that truth. But don't be closed off. Don't think that you can't learn anything. I mean, imagine being Moses. Okay, Pop. (laughs) You know who I am, right? I've been signing autographs all day. You see my staff in the corner? I just held that over the Red Sea and boom, Red Sea split. Egyptian army drowned, you know. Don't you know who I am, brother? I got this. No, no, no. Moses didn't do that. In fact, Moses was the most humble man on the planet at this time. And humility is a very important part of leadership. If you think that you've arrived and nobody can tell you anything and you don't need any practical wisdom and you're just closed off and it's my way or the highway, then you are going to fall on your face at some point. We all need to keep learning. We all need to remain teachable. 
There's passages that I will reread and find new things that I never saw before in the Bible. God always does that. And so when Jethro offers this advice, I think his motivation is good. And I'm going to say that I think it was spirit inspired, as I will share in a moment. I think reading between the lines here. But I will also say I see the caution of some of the scholars. You've been listening to Balancing the Scales, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 27. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with questions you may have from today's teaching, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Again, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you have some dilemma in your life right now, something that is similar to what Moses went through. And you're like, well, what do I do if there's not a specific Bible verse for this issue? Yeah, you know, I I can see in the Bible how uh, there were direct answers and maybe, you know, a family member helped somebody out and gave them a solution. But what about my issue? Uh, I don't know if there's a Bible verse for this. What do I do now? Well, you always start with biblical principles, first of all. Because I think you can answer almost everything. Maybe not, should I move to this city or uh, take this job over that job? But I'm talking about principles can be applied, wisdom uh, from God's word. Uh, The other thing to remember is that wise counsel comes from wise people that are walking with the Lord. So seek them first because they can give you good direction. Being part of a local church, being in a small group. Uh, having a discipleship relationship with someone older in the Lord. All of these things can help. And I would encourage you to do that. And if you have a question that we can try and help you with, you can always write into us. Uh, when you go to walkintruth.com, there's a place that you could put uh, a comment or a prayer request right there. Walkintruth.com. Well, the end of our fiscal year as a ministry is March 31st. Our goal this year has been to reach 50% uh, listener support in in terms of our radio ministry and podcasting ministry. And we're about 75% there. We're about $13,800 away. And uh, I just want to say thank you for all of you who have helped us get close to that goal. We would like to reach that goal because what happens is whatever shortfall there may be, our church, our local church actually picks that up. And our local church uh, has made a commitment to radio and podcasting, but the more listeners uh, partner with us, the more it takes the burden off the church and the more we can expand this ministry. So I'd like to thank a few people who have come alongside. First of all, Taylor from Agora Hills for your gift of $25. Thank you so much. We had an anonymous gift of $1,000, a one-time gift, uh, and we're so grateful for that gift. So grateful for Taylor uh, giving 25 and Mark from Orange County who gave a $20 gift to walk in truth. That's as easy as it is. You know, I'm amazed. I, 
Uh, we go out to, uh, let's just say a basic restaurant and a couple people eat and it's 30 bucks, you know. Well, if you went home and made a sandwich, you, you can maybe give that m- money to the work of the Lord, perhaps to walk in truth or another faithful ministry. It's really that simple. So I would encourage you to pray about it. If you can give a one-time gift or become a monthly partner, that would be awesome. We appreciate it so much. Go to walkintruth.com. You can click on the donate button. Walkintruth.com. Click on the donate button. You may say, why should I give to a radio ministry? Because if you're being fed and being blessed and being taught and encouraged, well, if you believe in it, then other people can be taught and blessed and grow and be encouraged. We want to reach as many people as we can while we yet have time. Would you come alongside us? If you want to find out more, walkintruth.com. You can check out all the info on the ministry, or you can call us Tuesday through Friday during normal uh, Pacific time business hours. It's 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Just want to say, We love you. Thank you, all of you who faithfully listen and support us. And thank you for praying for us. We appreciate it. We love you. We'll see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. God bless. And don't forget, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or you can give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 18, 13 through 27, called Balancing the Scales. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.